welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank all my listeners for listening. And also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, Ms. Aida, author of Who Do Justice Magic, Binaural Production Engineer, Damian Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. If you are interested in contributing to this podcast, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find everything you need there. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Calvin Smith. He is a podcaster. His podcast is called Unquestionable with Calvin Smith, and it is a little bit like mine, I would have to say. Thanks for coming on, Calvin. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Gary. So uh, what made you want to start a podcast? So I've always had this interest in ancient history ever since middle school when we first started learning about um, like the Mayans and the Incans, and, and we first brought up Quetzalcoatl. Um, as a kid, I just thought Quetzalcoatl was really cool and, uh, you know, just thought he looked cool and the story of him was really interesting. And that was kind of the birth of my interest in history to begin with and kind of just uh, sat on the back burner up until a couple, you know, about a year ago. And I've been learning about tons of uh, religions and uh, the possibility of ancient lost high technology used in our history um, ancient aliens, of course, was always something I loved to watch. I don't really watch it anymore, but I used to be a big fan of it. And um, I just thought, you know, I have all this information and all this stuff that I want to teach people, but I have no output for it. And so I started writing, um, started writing articles and uh, attempted to write a book, and it didn't really pan out too much. I'm not too good of a writer myself. Um, I'm more of a presenter. So I thought, you know, I'm just going to make a podcast. And so I Took my phone, found a free podcasting host, and went and sat in my closet and recorded my first episode. And um, the show is completely different than what it is in the first episode. The first episode I was talking about um, uh, Stardust Ranch, and I think it's in Arizona, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a lot of paranormal stuff that supposedly goes on there. And it's kind of transitioned as the years, um, well, the months have gone by to where now I'm more so talking about... <clears throat> the possibility of the use of ancient lost high technology in uh, our history. And I mean, I can get more into that, you know, later on. And uh, of course, I love to talk uh, religion too. you know, I'm an atheist, but I love to know why people believe things and the reason why they believe things. So I want to talk, you know, maybe someone knows something that I'm unaware of that may convince me of their God or gods or of aliens or Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. Um, essentially I like to have people come on my show and try to convince me of whatever you believe and why you believe it. Uh, and that's pretty much the basis of the show. Interesting. Uh, one of the things that I definitely cover quite a bit is the, uh, ancient high technology stuff. I mean, that's sort of like yeah. Jared Murphy's forte. And I've also had, um, Michael Cremo on my show. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, I've covered that very much in depth. Um, so what do you think? Do you think that, um, there was an ancient civilization such as Atlantis or Lemuria, or do you think it was aliens or, um, do you think that, um, you know, 
this is like our third or fourth time around as a human race. Um, well, it's it's hard to say. So I I'm more so of the mindset of of saying that we just don't know. You know, I I I don't like that academia saying, um, you know, hey, the Sphinx is 4,500 years old, and that's just how it is. You know, it's 4,500 years old. It's built by uh, you know Pharaoh Shefrin, uh, and you know slaves built it and all all this this weird stuff i don't like the certainty of it um because i've talked to many guests who have made trips to egypt i've myself never been to egypt at least not yet and um you know they talk to the locals and the locals have a completely different narrative of ancient egypt than what's written in our textbooks they have a completely different narrative they're like you know they don't even go by textbooks they go by what is actually depicted on the pyramids, the Sphinx, um, and the structures throughout Egypt. And that goes for all these ancient civilizations around the world. And I just more so just don't like the certainty. I'm, I'm open to saying that we don't know. Um, it, you know, it could have been aliens. I personally don't see any reason to believe that it was aliens because I do see um, that the technology that was used was still primitive. You know, it still was... Um, Something that, you know, obviously we have some pretty major technology today, and I still feel like now we have better technology than they did back, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand years ago. But um, for that time, it was very high technology. You know, they were able to make exact 90 degree angles. They were able to do drill holes in rose granite. That's, you know, seven out of ten on the most hardness scale. Um, things that we today would have a hard time doing but we could still do it, you know? So when I'm talking ancient lost technology, I'm not necessarily referring to anything alien. Although if, you know, evidence comes forward of it, of course I would talk about it or mention it or, um, you know, go towards that route. But I just don't see any reason to think that it's anything necessarily alien. Um, I feel like it's something very human that they may have had. Um, it may be something that we have right now that we're using to build the current buildings and structures that we have today. Um, it's just that we didn't know that they had it as early as, you know, seven to 10,000 years ago. Um, so I personally don't think it's anything alien, but uh, I guess it's not off the table for me. Hmm. I'm, I'm open to any type of evidence. How about Atlantis? Atlantis, I fully believe that there was some sort of civilization um, that we refer to as Atlantis or the Atlanteans although that may not have been the name that they went by. So people hear Atlantis and they immediately put on their tinfoil hats. They're thinking, you know, we're going to talk about mermaids. We're going to talk about flying cars and, you know, laser beams and crystal technology. And although that is what a couple people are saying, like Edgar Cayce, um, you know, who passed away and uh, some other researchers out there, that's not at all what the actual researchers who, ha who are doing the hard numbers are, are saying. You know, I had Dr. Greg Little on my show. And he spent the uh, good part of the last 35, 40 years flying to uh, the Andros Island, uh, the Bahamas, the largest island in the Bahamas chain. And he's been researching this place called Bimini Road. That's um, a couple hundred feet off mm -hmm. the shoreline. You yeah. literally can just basically walk right off the shoreline to it. And, um, you know, he's every time he goes, he's finding something new, something interesting. And every time he presents it, he, he gets lapped out of an auditorium. So he just writes a book about it. And um, 
Dr. Greg Little even said that he's been on Ancient Aliens and uh, he's never going to go back because they edited his words to make him sound like a loony. Um, and he's very unhappy about it. So he's, he tell, he told me right on my show, don't, don't watch Ancient Aliens because they just, they edit everything everybody says to fit whatever they want it to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I have said many times on my show, like, don't watch Ancient Aliens anymore, or at least anymore. You know, now they kind of, they're, they're kind of milking it at this point. Um, so I wouldn't say trust like Ancient Aliens with any type of, um, you know, take it with a grain of sand, but, uh, yeah, Atlantis, I personally think um, it, it's hard to say because there's so many theories on it. You know, I've been doing research on this place called the Yonaguni Monument, and um, I plan on recording an episode about that. That's off the coast of uh, Okinawa, Japan, and it's like a step pyramid that's only 16 feet underwater, and it's mm. a couple thousand feet in uh, diameter. It's crazy. I mean, and, and uh, I'm more so arguing that that was because academia is passing that off as a natural formation. Like, that just formed from natural erosion and um, other natural disasters in the area. Like there was an earthquake um, that within the past few years or a few thousand years in that area. Um, they just attest to this pyramid that was cut and carved. They're like, Oh, just a uh, earthquake made this pyramid. I'd love to see the numbers behind that because it's uh, it doesn't really, <laughs> it doesn't really make sense to me. Not to mention the fact that there's literal um, artifacts cuts, uh, you know, cut and carved stones stones that were cut moved into place and very obvious where they were taken from and moved into a particular place to act as a pillar or a step um and there's carvings of sea turtles all over the the monument too so it's like and it's said that within the past two to five thousand years that was submerged by um, an earthquake in the area so who's to say that wasn't the lost city of atlantis um or you know, there's uh, Jimmy from Bright Insight. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, with Bright Insight. He's a YouTube channel, mm-hmm. um, and he goes over Atlantis quite a bit, and he talks about the Rashat structure in Mauritania. And Mauritania is a little providence in um, Egypt, or not Egypt, uh, Africa. It's on the west side of the, the continent, and it's just near the, uh, the Atlantic Ocean. And Plato tells the story of Atlantis um, from 360 BC about how there's a lost land to the West and how, um, you know, in a single day and night of misfortune, it was destroyed. And um, the Rashat structure is, if you look it up on Google Maps, you can literally just go to Google Maps, type in Rashat structure, um, R-I-C-H-A-T structure. And it brings you to this, ri- like, it, it's like a needle in a haystack type of thing. You wouldn't see it unless, uh, you know, they didn't see it. We didn't know about it until the ISS flew above it and was like, whoa, what the hell is that thing? Um, and it's got concentric circles that have salt deposits in them, but it's in the middle of the desert. It's in the middle of Mauritania in the desert. And uh, there's a population of 3,000 people in all of Mauritania. So it's a very, very desert-esque place. But upwards of nine, ten thousand 10,000 years ago, that was a lush desert or a, a lush forest in that same area. And you can actually see striations in the sand going over the Rakat structure that uh, looked to be some sort of flood that may have went over it. And um, I don't know how familiar you are with the the actual story of Atlantis um, as told by Plato. Um, But... uh, that's that was always something very interesting to me because as i started digging more into the story of atlantis 
I found that it doesn't originate from Plato. You know, uh, all this time, all these years, I thought that Plato was the guy who started this story of Atlantis. Right. No, he didn't start it. Exactly. He didn't start it. Um, it wasn't until I looked into it further that the story comes from Sanchez of Sais when um, Plato's relative, Solon, may, uh, went on exile to Egypt. And he went to Egypt and met right. this guy named Sanchez of Sais and, you know, got the story of Atlantis. And that's what a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, it originates in Egypt in one of the oldest civilizations that we know of today in Egypt. So it, it's it's just... It, Atlantis has been something always really interesting to me, and um, I think that there still needs to be tons of research done, uh, particularly for like the Rashad structure, the Yonaguni monument. But the thing is, is that it's being labeled as these are natural formations. Stop looking at it; it's fine. You know, it's not, what's there to look at. It's a desert, um, and I want to break that stigma. I want people to go and look at these things, challenge the narrative. <clears throat> it's okay to question <clears throat> what the textbook says. Um, because sometimes the textbooks are wrong or, I mean, they are slightly inaccurate. Um, yeah, I just, I think that there's a lot of research that still needs to be done as far as Atlantis goes for sure. Right. You know, yeah, it does. It didn't start with Plato. Um, there's actually other references too from other cultures. Um, I believe it's in some, some Sumerian texts talk about it yeah. and it also, um, even in here in North America, the Hopis talk about this culture. Um, also, sometimes it is not referred to as a single city, but as 10 separate colonies for exactly. um, distributing goods around. Right. Uh, it was like mostly, <clears throat> I guess you would consider them like a, a seafaring culture. Um, yeah. An, another odd thing about Atlantis and the description of the design is you can find that design in the eye of Africa. You can find yep. it here in North America. In, I think it's called Port Poverty, Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, there's a few other places too. So so yeah. that, that that particular design, may all, all these different places may be part of that, that colon, that, that seafaring group right. that was traveling right. around the world. Right, who's to say that's, Who's to say that like all of these places aren't Atlantis? Right. You know, they're all part of the ten kingdoms that um, Plato also mentions. You know, right. who's to say that um, you know the Yonaguni Monument, the Rashad structure, um, and uh, Andros Island, and uh, the Gibraltar Straits? Who's to say that all of these places aren't collectively Atlantis or the Atlanteans? Um, who knows? Right. I mean, obviously, if they're traveling around. And there are yeah. seafaring people in their island sinks. There's going to be some of those people that were abroad that survived, exactly. yeah, and and, yeah, and, and continued, um, which which makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and um, you know, so so yeah, I I, I believe that that this that the, that they existed. And there's also a connection to I think, at least in my mind, with the Minoans. Because they yes. were a very similar type of culture. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. That's that's something else that um, me and Greg Little kind of touched on a little bit um, when we were talking about, um, you know, Atlantis when he came on my show. And then when I did my episode, purely going over the different evidence for Atlantis, um, I kind of just did a broad brush of everything that I could find as far as evidence for Atlantis goes. Did a big PowerPoint for it. And 
um, yeah, I kind of touched on the, the Minoan culture and how there was, um, uh, I forget the name of the volcano that blew up. It's, it's not coming to me right now, but yeah, there, there was Minoan culture that, you know, lived on the island and it blew up because of a super volcano. And mm-hmm. some theorize that that could have been the Atlanteans that we know of today is just the Minoan culture. Right. Um, but then you look at, you know, that culture and you see that they didn't really have any type of, uh, they were, they were very prehistoric, I guess you could say, you know, they didn't necessarily build, build, um, you know, big massive structures or anything, um, anything crazy, you know, anything that wouldn't have been common for the time. So although that could have been a lost civilization of some sort, I don't know if I'm necessarily behind that. It could have been Atlantis or the Atlanteans, um, but it could have been one of the many it could civilizations have been that that could right exactly like like, yeah, like the way I mean they the, had the they had the bull god yeah um, they they did you know similar type of travel exactly that's been described so so you know again I think they could have been you know part of a surviving part of Atlantis yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Atlantis has been something that I've, you know, because I want answers. You know, if Atlantis is out there, I want to know about it. And um, it's always something that's been kind of on the back of my brain. You know, is there some sort of lost civilization that's out there that, you know, we don't know about? And I, I'm just trying to defeat the, sig- the mm-hmm. stigma of it because every time I bring it up to any of my friends, family, my wife, you know, they look at me like, whoa, you know, <laughs> hang on. And it's, it's it's hard because the media has portrayed it in such a way that makes it sound extraterrestrial or paranormal, um, unrealistic, um, that it's hard to even get past that stigma that's behind the name Atlantis. So hopefully with the help of my show, I can help defeat that stigma and just get people to look at things a little bit harder, not, not disregard things just because of the name. Right. Well, one of my hopes actually is to go out and look for. It. I have a guest on regularly, who says he has a pretty good idea of where it is. Really. And um, so, one of the things that we hope to do when all this COVID crap is over is actually go look for it. But, Interesting. Um, but yeah, he's written more books on Atlantis than any other author in the world. Really. Yeah. Hmm. And Interesting. and he says that it's already been discovered. Uh, it was originally discovered by Russians in a submarine, and they were, mm. you know, spying on the United States and stumbled upon it. Uh, they sent out another expedition, and they reported the same thing. The United States somehow intercepted that intelligence from Russia and went and checked it out, confirmed it. Hmm. So Interesting. I'm gonna have to look into some of that. Yeah, yeah so, hmm. so I've never heard of that. that. So I'm interested. Yeah, it's For not. Sure. I mean, obviously, like like right now, I think that's you know, this is one of those things being kept, you know, under wraps because we have to go find it. You right. Know, we need right. evidence. But I, I I think some of these things are moving from just stories to more evidence gathering. Yeah, um, I agree. You, you yourself, do you ever, do you have any plans on doing uh, some research on your own? Oh, I would love to. to. You know, if, if I, you know, I'm, 
you know, I just, I just got this house, you know, a little while ago, a couple, a couple months ago, I bought this house and, you know, I've been setting up this room and getting my recording stuff all set up. Um, so pretty low on funds right now. And of course the wife wants a vacation. So got to get, got to get the wife a vacation. Um, well, <laughs> and, why don't you take her on vacation to Atlantis? Trust me. I would love to. Um, it's more, it's more so a money thing. You know, it's, it's expensive to fly around the world. Um, I have looked into, you know, my biggest thing, my biggest smoking gun for me is the Sphinx. The Sphinx, looking at the Sphinx and Gobekli Tepe, um, looking at those two specific sites, that is what really got me into ancient technology. So if I could go anywhere in the world, if I could fly right now to somewhere and personally research and look at these things head on, it would be the Sphinx. That's the first place that I'm going. Um, it's to Egypt to look at the Sphinx because the water erosion that's all over the Sphinx, it's just undeniable. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I just frankly can't shut up about it. Uh-huh. And so my wife already knows that as soon as we're going, uh, if we're going anywhere, if we're flying mm-hmm. anywhere, it's going to be to Egypt. Like we already <laughs> decided. <laughs> At least she's supportive. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to hit pause for one moment. Sure. On the topic of the Sphinx, they have actually verified that there is some type of chamber underneath it. Yes, yes, that is very true. What um, do you think is in there? And why do you think they're hesitant about digging it up? Well, that's a question that I've been asking too, is why don't they just show us what's down there? You know, Zahi Hawass has been down there many times, and he, you know, it's all but proven that there is a chamber down there. Dr. Robert Schock has done... Um, you know, ground penetrating radar improved it. I mean, uh, Brian Forrester has shown video of the um, the actual top that's on top of the chamber in front of the, the Sphinx's left paw. Um, he shows, you know, hey, if we just moved this little plaque, this weird plaque that's here, it literally would be right there. Um, so why they won't show us what's down there? I have no idea. Um, I feel like now it's probably completely empty by this point. Um but if anything was down there, you know, there's theories that there could have been like the lost hall of records down there. Um, but you know, I'm not sure it's so, it's so mysterious. Um, and not to mention that it's only fairly recently that it's coming out that the Sphinx is completely hollow on the inside. Um, I'm not sure how much you follow, you know, once again, bright insight, Brian Mm -hmm. Forrester, um, Brian Forrester actually had on my podcast at one point. And, um, yeah, he, he, they actually have been showing video. There was actually some guys who got down under the Sphinx and uh, got a couple pictures and videos of the inside of the Sphinx. They actually show video of them going. They snuck down past the guards and everything. And very briefly, they shine a light up um, to a chamber that goes upwards into the Sphinx. So the Sphinx is completely hollow. And uh, not to mention the hatch that's on the very top of the Sphinx's head that you can literally see from Google Maps. Um, so it's there's so much mystery around the Sphinx. You know, what could be down there? I have absolutely no idea. Could it be the Hall of Records or the, uh, I don't know, some some sort of records regarding, you know, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's, it's hard to even theorize about because they're just so secretive about it. And they keep telling us there's nothing down there as they're crawling out of there. But then at the same time, why did they spend three weeks down there's a um i forgot his name i know his name first name is robert but he uh he actually went down into the sphinx 
for two to three weeks, he was under the Sphinx doing research, but yet there's nothing down there. Why would you be under the Sphinx for two weeks straight day and night? And there's nothing down there. It just doesn't match up to me. So they're hiding something. Why? I have no idea. Um, but hopefully if we just get people to start talking about it and mentioning it more, they'll get pressured to just release the information or at least some of the information, just get us to shut up, you know. Um, but saying that there's nothing down there, I think that's complete bull. But. So what is your reaction to some of the recent reports on the LIDAR scans of South America and that the, the potentially an entire lost civilization that is still buried there. That was massive, which, I mean, it, it, it is so large that it changes the numbers of what we think the population of the Earth was. Yeah, yeah, that stuff is crazy. I actually just started reading about that um, last night. That stuff is really crazy. You know, LIDAR in general is really changing the game. Um, LIDAR was used on the Onaguni Monument. So now we have like 3D prints of the Onaguni Monument. We know exactly, you know, every crack and crevice of it. You know, now you can get LIDAR on your phone. I didn't even know that you could actually get a LIDAR app on your phone and actually scan stuff. I think this is only for iPhones. But um, like I had Johanna James on my podcast, which uh, came out yesterday, and she got the LIDAR app on her phone and she saw the schist disk in Egypt. And she actually used a little LIDAR on the schist disc and was like looking at the schist disc using LIDAR on her phone. Like, how cool is that? Um, I think LIDAR is really going to change the game. Um, places like, you know, Ganung Padang in, uh, I think that's China. I believe that's China or um, somewhere around there. And uh, if LIDAR... I'd, I wish they would use LIDAR at Ganung Padang because it's known as the world's first pyramid um it's covered in monoliths and it looks like just a regular mountain but under the actual um uh, the i guess you could say the top layer of it there's an actual structure of a man-made pyramid under and it's covered in monoliths mm -hmm. um but yet completely restricted to, to research under there um the the government of well i'm pretty sure it's in china and uh, they won't allow anyone to do any further research. There's a guy who's been fighting since 2014 to get under there and, and do some research. And he was like, okay, for a couple weeks. And then they told him to stop. And they said, okay, you can research there again. Um, and I feel like if he was just given access to use LIDAR at that site, it would show pretty much the same thing, that there was some sort of ancient civilization right there in the middle of China that is upwards of, you know, who knows? Eight, nine, ten, twelve, twenty thousand years old. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the use of lidar is going to really be a game changer, especially in the coming years for ancient technology and and the possibility of an ancient lost civilization in general. Uh, but we just need to defeat that stigma. Right now, I'm not sure why. I scratch my head every night and I say, you know, why don't these researchers just accept the new information? You know, it's, I understand that the textbook says this, but it's okay. You know, science is a continuously changing thing. You know, if science isn't science, if you aren't continuing to find a better solution or um, a more sound solution. And it's just really confusing to me. And I feel like, yeah, the lost civilization that that's currently being discovered in South America 
that's going to be a game changer for for all of the world. And I, I'm really curious to see what type of information comes out because who knows what if that's Atlantis or some sort of ancient civilization that's um, you know is recently undiscovered. You know, it, it's really interesting stuff. Right. I mean, I mean, right now, I mean, it does. It is pointing to that being the cradle of civilization. Yeah. Rather than like Turkey and Iraq. Yeah. So it's, so it's, it will definitely change things yes. if they release the information, of course. Um, yeah. Or if it, the research is done by independent researchers, which I think is the way to go. I think this research should not be in the hands of collegiate institutions and yes. government institutions. Um, I believe that only independent researchers are going to come out with the truth. Yeah, I agree, and it's 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 frustrating because these these uh, these scientists, researchers, archaeologists, geologists, the, uh, you know, like Robert Schock and uh, Brian Forrester, Randall Carlson, Graham Hancock. You know, these are all you know very educated people. Um, they're not out here saying anything alien or extraterrestrial or you know woo, but yet you go on. Google and you type in their name and the very first thing that comes up is they are labeled as a pseudoscientist or a fringe theorist. And that's just disingenuous in my opinion. Um, they have the hard evidence to support it. They have the numbers. They have the degree. What else do you need? You know, I just, I really don't understand why these people are being labeled pseudoscientists when they have all the credentials, they have all the numbers, they have all uh, the research pictures, videos, LIDAR scans, everything to prove their case. And yet academia is laughing them out of auditorium and then putting them all over Google as pseudoscientists. Um, and that, that needs to change, um, in my opinion, at least. Hmm. How about the pyramid that you supposedly found in Antarctica? I'm a little, I don't know a ton about that. I've heard about it briefly. Um, I, I think I know what you're talking about. Um, but I, I'm not a hundred percent sure about that myself. You know, I am, I am still a skeptic at heart. Really? Um, well, there, there is a map of Antarctica that was ancient <laughs> that is incredibly accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the Piri Reese map, mm -hmm. um, for example, is just one of the many maps out there that, that depict, I think there's also a map, um, from ancient, China or Japan that's uh, depict pretty much the same thing as the Pierre Reese map um, from even earlier than that. And yeah, yeah, I, I have no doubts that um, we discovered Antarctica probably earlier than it, it's currently taught to us. But whether we were able to survive there for a period of time and let alone build a pyramid, have the food resources, the, um, the places to sleep, places to rest, um, Maybe it wasn't always frozen. True, true. It wasn't always frozen. Um, and then that would, uh, I'm not 100% sure when the last time Antarctica was a green lush land. I, I'm honestly not sure about that. Um, but depending on when that was, very plausible. Yeah. Um, if it was within, you know, 10 to 20,000 years, then yeah, it definitely could be plausible that they could have built a pyramid and, um, you know, been there. And there have actually been. Um, evidences of elongated skulls found there. And uh, I'm not sure how familiar you are with elongated skulls, but, you know, Brian Forrester is... 
yeah, is, is spent his basically entire life researching elongated skulls uh, in Peru specifically. But he stated that on basically every continent, including Antarctica, there have been elongated skulls found. So could these people with uh, this, these naturally elongated skulls be this ancient civilization of Atlantis? You know, who knows? Uh, once again, there still needs to be tons of research done on the elongated skulls because uh, they're looked at as being uh, artificially elongated all the time. And Brian Forrester's big thing is trying to prove that they're natural and that uh, they have a different DNA sequence. And he's still waiting on research, um, you know, research and stuff that he's sent off to labs to come back with as far as DNA testing goes for those um, elongated skulls. So it's like stuff like that when they're found on Antarctica too. Um, it's very interesting to me. I, I, I don't know about the, the pyramid on um, Antarctica thing. I, I definitely need to look into it more and I, I, do have it written down <coughs> over here that, that I wanted to look into it more. Um, but I don't know. Honestly, it's it's hard to say. It's so cold there and hard mm -hmm. to even get there to research anything altogether. That's just hard to say. Um, as of right now, you either have to pay tens of thousands of dollars to go to Antarctica or you have to work for some government around the world. Um, so until they kind of open up Antarctica for independent researchers to go there. I don't know if if any world government is going to focus on the pier the supposed pyramid that's in Antarctica unfortunately. Mm. So once again, it's about defeating that stigma and just allowing people to research things openly. How um there's also been some talk about a pyramid found in the Florida Everglades. Have you heard about that one? Ooh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, it's right here at home. Really? I, I, yeah. I mean, because I'm mean, going it, to Florida in it, two weeks, it, it, so it, I'm interested. It looks like, you know, just a random hill in the Everglades where, you know, everything's flat and swampy. So right. it hasn't been excavated yet, um, wow. but it's there. Okay. And I mean, and it makes a lot of sense, you know, if you look at the, the, the mines and how, I mean, I mean you know, there, there's no reason why they wouldn't have traveled around the Gulf of Mexico yeah, and built other structures. Yeah, very true. It's I mean, you look at the story of like uh, like the story of Viracocha. Um, I went over Viracocha in one of my episodes, and uh, he's like supposedly this this Incan god that essentially created everything after he came out of Lake Titicaca, and um, you know he he's depicted as having some sort of uh, staff or a book that he carried around that allowed him to do these amazing things uh like build structures like he supposedly helped build like machu picchu and uh, uh then his story kind of reaches over to the aztecs and quetzalcoatl and he's kind of depicted as many different um gods throughout all of south america and mesoamerica and who's to say that viracocha quote unquote didn't venture up further into the americas wander over to or even sail across the gulf of mexico to Florida, and you know that's where we get, uh, you know, this pyramid that's supposedly in Florida. I am super interested in that pyramid though because I'm going to Florida in like two and a half weeks. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be right in the Everglades, so that's perfect. I'm going to go find it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look it up, man. It, 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 there's not a whole lot out there on it right now, but uh, interesting. If you look, you can find some pictures. And, 
Yeah, because I was looking for something. I was looking for something, you know, because I'm going to Florida. I was like, you know, is there any type of like ancient sites or anything that I can go look at while I'm in Florida? You know, I'm in southeast Michigan, so I'm really close to uh, Serpent Mound. Mm-hmm. I've been meaning what I'm probably going to do is this year at the summer solstice, my plan is to drive down to um, the Serpent Mound and uh, in hopes maybe record an episode on the Serpent Mound while I'm there and um, actually watch the summer solstice align directly with the mm-hmm. head of the serpent um, on on uh, June 22nd. So that's the plan for this year. It was a plan last year, but COVID yeah. kind of canceled Yeah, we it. might do something like that too at uh, <clears throat> the American Stonehenge in New Hampshire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That place is super cool. I'd love to go there. Yeah. There's there's so many interesting sites in America alone that a lot of people don't realize. And like I had, like I mentioned before, I had Dr. Greg Little on, um, and he... He has spent a good 40 years writing a book called Mound Builders, and he actually sent me this book. So Greg Little's listening to this. Thank you for that book. It's really awesome. I love it. <laughs> but um, he spent a good chunk, and he's basically going over every single mound that he could find throughout all of America and dating every single one. Um, and th- it's incredible that the dating that these surpass what we once believed um, people first started civilization in America. It, it really predates anything that we believe before. And um, that was his hopes with the book is that he comes out with the book. People start looking into it more and then we can start redating all of America and that we were here much earlier than, than once believed. And so um, these mounds could maybe that mound in Florida Maybe that's the mound that he might have mentioned in his book. I'm actually interested yeah. now. I might have to. There's actually to even been. That. Um, there's a, a group, some people that were found in the Appalachian Mound. I think they're called like Magellans or something like that. Hmm. And um, and they don't know where they came from. And they had Turkish DNA. Ooh, very interesting. So how, like, like, how, 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 how did the Turkish <laughs> DNA end up here in North America? Exactly. Prior to Christopher Columbus, that is true. That is very true. Well, or yeah. not Columbus? Actually, we had to go. I mean, there was obviously yeah. a lot more people coming <laughs> right, here prior right. to him. But, right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's but, like but, but um, prior to uh, say like the 14th century. Exactly. Yeah, um, and a lot of people don't realize too is the Grand Canyon actually has a ton of mystery around it. Oh, um, actually, 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 we've been researching that. Me and Jared about the uh, Lost Cave of Kincaid. Yes, yes, I've um, actually been looking into that too. So, so we've we've yeah. actually uh, he, we've we've got a whole bunch of drone footage from, really? from that. Well, I should say drone. We've got some aerial footage that we've taken. Very cool. Because <laughs> we're not supposed to be doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but we've been get, but but he's been getting out there because uh, we have befriended some some Native Americans that are allowing us to go out there and do it. And That's uh, we actually plan on doing some climbing to find where it was. <clears throat> they've sealed it. We're, we're pretty yeah. sure that they've sealed it now. Right. And, and they, we know that it's been emptied and whatever they found in there has been taken to the Smithsonian and stuffed yeah. away. Um, but there, it's has, just interesting there has to the be something that they found. You know, it's like they, they there's been literal coffins, you know, found in the Grand Canyon. There's been... 
you know, artifacts of busts of King Akhenaten and Queen Nefertiti found in the Grand Canyon. Um, even in Chicago, there was a uh, little Egyptian artifact that was just like found in Chicago, just like hanging out in, in a cave. So they just, you know, it's actual native Egyptian artifact. So um, I kind of touched on that a little bit with Johanna James when I had her on my show last week, um, which premiered yesterday. But her her explanation was, you know, hey, you know, who's to say that these uh, grave robbers didn't take them? you know, thousands of years ago, whenever they took them. And then just recently, within the past couple hundred years, brought them to America and put them in, in the cave. But it doesn't... That sounds a little silly to me. It sounds a little silly to me. Why would they do that? You know, why yeah, would we have... It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me. You know, that's that's kind of what I told her, is that, you know, why would they do that, though? They steal it from Egypt just to throw it in the Grand Canyon? Why? Why would, What's the point? You know, and, um, you know, it's just very weird that these Egyptian artifacts and Buddhist artifacts and structures are also found in the Grand Canyon. And those are completely off limits. Um, there's actually a carving of a Buddha that was in there and it's off limits. You can't go. You can't look at it anymore. So it's like, why is that in there? Um yeah, the Grand Canyon, and it makes me so mad because I didn't know anything about the Grand Canyon and all these weird things about it. I went to Arizona in uh, 2020, and I was literally at the Grand Canyon, and I didn't know about any of this, so I didn't look into it any further. I I was so mad when I found out about it. So now i got to go back to Arizona and back to the Grand Canyon. Right. <laughs> One of the interesting things, too, about the Grand Canyon is maybe it's not even a natural formation. I mean, it, yeah. could, it could have been a mine. Yeah, that's very true. You know, depending on if you're if you're on like the, there, there, there's the a lot there's boat. a lot of uranium in that area. There is. Yeah, that is very true. Um, could that be maybe why they they picked the Grand Canyon for you know for why they they put these Egyptian artifacts and all these other artifacts in the Grand Canyon? Maybe to Maybe because there was uranium there. Maybe it was some sort of ritual center type of thing. I don't know. Um, yeah, lots lots of mystery around the Grand Canyon. I'm I'm super super interested in it. And I do plan on making an episode, you know, similar to you. You know, going over the Kincaid Cave and mm -hmm. everything like that. Um, really the origins of the human species. Mm -hmm. How long do you think humans have existed on this planet? Do you believe in Darwinism, the evolution theory, or do you have another theory that you would sort of lean towards? Um, I fully believe in evolution. Um, I think there, uh, well, actually, I know that there is a preponderance of evidence. Um, there, there's arguably more evidence for evolution than there is for the theory of gravity. Um, so I fully believe in evolution. Um, I think that, you know, we evolved here just just as, um, you know, maybe not exactly as every textbook says, because we are discovering new um, hominids and, you know, like Dragon Man was discovered late last year. Um, and, uh, you know, that's kind of turning the tables of, of evolution a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I, I fully believe that there's tons and tons and tons of evidence to support that we started off as, um, you know, monkeys, essentially, um, and, uh, you know, in short term. And uh, evolved from there into, you know, what we are today. Um, yeah, 
it's I, I do fully believe in that. Yep. What about the timelines though? Because if you use a timeline for evolution, and then you look at some of the existing structures that we're finding through archaeology, they don't line up. Uh, kind of, kind of, I don't know, kind of not really. So the, uh, like, for example, the Neanderthals, Neanderthals were far smarter than we give them credence to. Um, they were able, you know, they had... Uh, their own primitive form of languages. They were able to, uh, they made pendants for their, you know, loved ones. Uh, they were able to curl each other's hair. They were social animals, essentially, just like we are. Um, we just hear the word Neanderthal, and once again, the media depicts them as being stupid cavemen. Um, but, you know, unbeknownst to us, they were actually not super far behind where we are right now. Um, so um not 100% sure on on when exactly the timeline of like the Neanderthals and everything is it's escaping me right now but um I think that it kind of does line up a little bit because you know um we don't have that necessarily that missing link I guess you could say uh, even though I don't necessarily believe that like a missing link exists I guess um, it's more, more so that we don't have that one hominid species. That's kind of the, the precursor in between like Neanderthals and modern humans mm -hmm. today. Um, Dragon Man is kind of theorized to be that like midpoint in between there, but you know, obviously he was just discovered. So there's a ton of research still being done on that. Um, but, um, because, I mean, there was at one point that Neanderthals and, you know, Homo sapiens sapiens both lived together. And we just essentially wiped out the Neanderthals. So who's to say that we, while we were wiping out the Neanderthals, didn't build these structures? Um, or who's to say the Neanderthals themselves didn't? Or a different species of humanoids? Maybe these elongated skulls, maybe the maybe that's the missing link, I guess you could say. Um, I think that there is still a ton of... Ton of research that needs to be done as far as like our origins, how we evolved, where we evolved from, um, and uh, you know when we built these structures. There, there's just a ton of research that needs to be done. Um, so I'm more so open to saying that I just don't know. You know, I'm not an expert, mm -hmm. um, but you know, I'm open to it. If they can show me evidence right. that you know, um, you know, if they can show me evidence, then you know, I'll I'll believe it. But um, as of right now. Um, I, I, I see no reason why it wouldn't be possible, <clears throat> although it may be difficult for them to do. Yeah, I don't buy into Darwinism at all. Um, okay. Yeah, I just just too many holes in it for me to accept as an absolute truth. Um, what was I going to ask? I had another question. <laughs> um, <laughs> <clears throat> So if you don't, if you believe that, uh, I mean, one of the things that bothers me about Darwinism actually is, um, you know, we, I, I find it hard to believe that we would have been the dominant species to survive. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. if we had the Hobbit people and the Neanderthals and the Cro-Mags and the elongated skull people going around and giants, I, I mean, there's evidence that there was giants on this planet. Um, that that I, we would be the dominating species. 
What do you think about the whole giant thing? Um, you know, the giants were actually the mound builders and possibly responsible uh, for um, some of these other megalithic structures. I personally um, <clears throat> see no reason to believe in giants, personally. Um, you know, uh, there's... It, it doesn't really make... You know, the, the evolution of how it would work into a giant... Like, not to say the Dragon Man hasn't been... Uh, like, like I mentioned before, Dragon Man, he is... was taller than um, us humans today. He was taller, larger in stature. Um, but he was by no means a giant. Um... And and I feel like giant is kind of a it's kind of a, a loose term, you know. Like today, you could say you know the world's tallest man is a giant, although he um, has a ton of health issues and he's he's not doing too well. Um, and there's there's tons of people around the world who are extremely tall or large, and they may have been considered giants of the time, um, and may have been in some cultures. Uh, worshipped as a god or a type of god or a, uh, like a pseudo god um so i more so think that the giants that are depicted um throughout many of the ancient stories and, and histories around the world i think it's more so a case of misunderstanding um i feel like there could have been somebody who was born with a uh, genetic um problem and uh you know they grew very large and so they were said to have been a giant and um you know that's that's more so where i come from um because outside of that um i don't know of any you know i've, I've looked into giants a little bit there a couple of years ago I, I was on a bit of a giant kick and so i uh, i took a couple days to research some of that but i, I fell short of finding any archaeological evidence of giants outside of um, people with genetic um, deficiencies. So um, I, I personally don't think that that giants um, existed. But, you know, once again, I'm open to the evidence. If someone can show me the evidence, then I'd be happy to accept it. Hmm. Interesting. So let's switch gears a little bit. Yeah. Religion, spirituality, metaphysics. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the reasons why I... Another reason why I do not believe in evolution is because humans we we appear like to have some supernatural abilities all of us have telepathy psychic abilities remote viewing um being able to move our consciousness outside of the limits of space and time like and i've done a lot of experimenting with just with my own consciousness mm -hmm. um what is your take on all that? Um, what I think, okay, if I'm going to be completely blunt, I don't think any of it's real. I think all of it is, um, you know, you, you, it's counting the hisses and ignoring the misses, um, or counting the hits and ignoring the misses. And, uh, so for example, I actually went to a psychic, uh, me and my wife went to a professional psychic that, uh, that's in our town. Um, a well-renowned psychic that's uh, had tons of good reviews. We talked to a couple friends about them, and uh, you know they recommended them. They're the best psychic that I could find in my general area. So I thought, you know, let's me and my wife decided let's go get a psychic reading and talk about it. Um, so we did. We went there, and I got permission from the owner of the, um, the the psychic place to actually record my full reading. 
Um, so she started off with a tarot card reading and then um, explained that I, I had some guides with me, you know, spirit guides, um, that she could see all of them standing behind me. Um, and my, my thing was that she, she wasn't necessarily saying anything um, that was compelling. You know, it more so was, um, I do have to pre preface, I paid for this. So um, could it be that she just was straight up in it for the money? Possibly, but um, mm -hmm. there's nothing that she said that really has to this day come true or happen, in, in my opinion. And um, I talked to Debbie Solaris, who's been on the Gaia program, and um, she works with the Akashic Records and supposedly contacts extraterrestrials. And for me, it, it when she was telling me her story, um, it more so sounded like she just had a like she she exclaims that she went to bed one night and she had a vision while she was sleeping that she basically appeared on a, a spaceship mm -hmm. and um she saw like this rainbow pillar type of thing that that these other extraterrestrial beings were stepping into and that was sending them off somewhere she was like i want to know what that is and so she attempted to step in it kept getting thrown out of it um, so she says, uh, she asks a being next to her that she described as a, um, uh, Arcturian, an Arcturian alien mm -hmm. that they said, you know, you need to want it. You know, you're, you, you know, you're either not ready yet, or you need to really want this. So she tried again and she woke up as soon as she stepped in, into the portal, she woke up. And ever since then, she's been supposedly contacting aliens. But yeah. my problem is, is that what if you were just dreaming? You know, what? I, that was my question to her is, Debbie, how, how do you know that this was a real experience outside of it just being a dream? Mm -hmm. You know, you were asleep, Debbie. Um, so who's to say it wasn't just a dream and that you were dreaming things that, because she was all worried about, um, you know, the, if this was back in 2012 where like the Mayan calendar was ending and people were all worried about the end of the world and December 21st. And it was only a couple of weeks before December 21st that she had this dream. So she was actually scared that the world was ending. So I feel like she more so was seeing things that she wanted to see um, or her subconscious was making her see things that she wanted to see. And, um, you know, and like I said, the psychic that I talked to before, none of her predictions necessarily have come true. Um, she said within uh, two years, my podcast is going to be as big as Joe Rogan's. We're a year in, uh, in March is when it'll be a year. And so far I'm nowhere near to Joe Rogan. It could happen though. I mean, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I'm pushing, well, you know, I, I'm getting pretty high now. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had challenged Joe Rogan to a fight and he's really, <laughs> really. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I would fight him. Heck yeah. That'd be awesome. I would actually pay to see that. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I'd kick but, his um, ass. <laughs> I feel like you could, honestly. Um, I think he's all talk, no show, personally. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I, I don't know how I feel about, like, the psychic and astral projection thing. Like, uh, I, Have I, you experimented with any of this stuff? Have, have you attempted these things? Have you practiced meditation? Yes. Have you used binaural bees, isolation tanks, drugs, yes. sex magic? So I've never... I've never tried any psychedelics it's on the bucket list really? um, it's more so i just don't have connections to him but i'd be very interested to try psychedelics um but um uh, dude, so that's, I, that's I, I can hook you up with some mushrooms yeah man 
Um, <laughs> no, no, I, I mean, so, tons of my guests are into that stuff. Yeah, um, I just I've always wanted to try it because um, it's interesting the things that people see and and suppose it. But my thing with the drugs is that you need to know going into it, you are taking a mind altering drug. Um, this is messing with the chemical compounds of your brain. So you are going to see things that aren't there. You're going to um, imagine things that haven't happened or are or are happening differently than what's actually happening in reality. It's altering your reality. So when people say I took drugs and then I saw God, you know, I took DMT and I, I saw, you know, jesters or whatever jumping around. Um, it's messing with the chemicals in your brain. That is what it is supposed to do. Um, and I know a lot of the arguments is like common experience. A lot of people see the same thing um, when they take like DMT mushrooms, but I feel like that's the whole point of the drug is that it's doing the same thing to your mind as it's doing to somebody else's mind. And you guys are seeing a common experience. Um, so I see no reason to see a mind altering drug uh, mm -hmm. being a connection to a God or an alternate dimension. Um, I think it's just messing with your mind. And uh, I'm hoping right. in hopes maybe uh, when and if I do DMT or any other psychedelic drug, um, maybe it can open my eyes to something that I don't know before. But um, I'm just telling myself right now that what I see on a mind-altering drug is not sufficient evidence to, to warrant a belief in another parallel universe, a god, gods, um, aliens, anything like that, because it, the drug is doing its job. It's altering my brain. Um, I have practiced with meditation. I, I used to do meditation when I was younger, you know, uh, about 16, 17, I tried meditation. Then I kind of picked it up a little bit again uh, around my early 20s. And I tried it a couple times, um, maybe maybe a good dozen times I tried it, you know, complete silent room or, you know, trying music playing in the background, trying just different methods of meditation. And, it, you know, it was nice. It, it, I felt great afterwards, but it I, I saw no reason to believe that anything supernatural or paranormal was happening to me um you know I, I just saw no reason for that um yeah so that's that's kind of where i'm at i guess <laughs> i'm quite the skeptic um i'm i'm based off of evidence and when when the evidence is available i i will fully accept it um but as of right now i don't i don't at least have enough evidence to to believe that like psychic readings are true um i spend a lot of time talking to my friends about these types of things, mm -hmm. because obviously it's a very common thing that people believe nowadays. But, but but the thing is, like, with this whole psychic thing, you don't have to go to a psychic. You can teach yourself to yeah. become psychic. I mean, right. one, one of the keys is getting your brain into an alpha state, which can be done through binaural beats. Have you attempted that? Mm -hmm. I don't. Uh, maybe I don't know. Uh, can you describe it? Well, binaural beats are you, you listen to them through headphones or earbuds and. It plays oh, one frequency yes. in one ear and another frequency in the other. Yes, yes, and I it, have. And it will change that. the frequency of your brain, which will allow you to access information that's not normally accessible when you're in a normal state. Gotcha. And so my thing with with that would be that's something really easily that could be testable. Um, that's something that could very mm -hmm. easily be tested in a lab. Um, but the problem is that it hasn't been done yet. It hasn't yeah, been oh, it's been done. Anymore. The government uses this shit really? all the time. 
That's oh, how they oh do yeah. The, I mean, if you're that's talking how, about that's how, like, they, that's how they do the remote viewing. See, and then that's where I I get onto like the remote viewing thing. Um, like Edgar Casey, um, I talked about him a little bit in my evidence for Atlantis episode because he talked a ton about Atlantis. He claimed that he essentially would astral project into the past and actually be in the body of an Atlantean and actually see all of Atlantis. And he's like, you know, this is where it is. Um, the only problem is that he made thousands of predictions and only a couple dozen of them were actually proven. So it's, and then that's when people like, you know, Greg Little, I love him, but he points to those as evidence that astral projection is, is real and it works or um, time traveling essentially. But it's once again, a case of counting the hisses and hits and ignoring the misses, you know, you're counting the couple dozen hits of him getting things kind of correct and ignoring the tens of thousands of things that he said that were just absurdly incorrect or wrong or never happened. Um, And for me, I'm looking at those, those misses, you know, uh, but you're looking at somebody else's misses. True. You know, I, I took um, one, one of my guests was uh, David Morehouse, and he wrote the handbook for Project Stargate, you know, a viewing program. Mm-hmm. And he had invited me to take one of his classes. So I did it. And uh, I got to say, man, the hits were like a 90%. Interesting. Maybe Interesting. 10% of misses. Okay. Because like even <laughs> so, then, so, so when you do that kind of experimentation and do it yourself, I, I find it mind-boggling. Gotcha. Because even then, you know, I, I get where you're coming from. The ninety percent, there's still that ten percent. You know, if you if if this is honestly, right. well, but I would say um, I would say in everyday life, you know, my decision making. Is probably seventy percent right and thirty percent wrong. Yeah. So, so my experience with the remote viewing was higher than what I get in ordinary day life. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I don't know. Um, you know, because because for me, uh, the plural the plural of anecdote is not data. So mm-hmm. even if I were to um, you know, sit and, and try the same method that, that you did um, or take the same class that you did. Um, I don't know if, you know, personal experience alone um, is is sufficient evidence. You know, it's, um, I feel like there could be 100 people that, you know, could astral project and, you know, some are going to get 50%, some are going to get 70%, some are going to get 90%, some are going to get 100%, some of them are going to get 0%. And that's kind of where I'm like, okay, wait. Right, but how, the, how... the situation I was in, though, is I was in this class with about 25 other people. Everybody was hitting 90s. Can and I it, ask it, what... It, and this is a technique that's been used by the government. Gotcha. Can I ask what you were... Like, what you were doing? Are you able to talk about that? Sure. I mean, I mean, what, what we would do is... You, you, there's a certain format to remote viewing and how you, how you open the... Um, the channel and you, and you open it up the aperture more and more and more and more and by stage six you got it completely open and you're getting all this data and you're not judging the data you're just writing it down you just write down what comes to you naturally um, and then 
and the way it works too is like you start out with a target. The target is four is a series of two sets of four numbers. So you have no idea what you're going to, what you're looking at. And uh, once you collect all this data, you put it together. You 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 kind of write a summary of it, and then afterwards the target is revealed to the group of people, and you compare what everybody's information was received, and. Okay. You know, and the most like like I said, like ninety percent of people are receiving the same information from a simple eight-digit number. Gotcha. It's been assigned to a target, but none of us so, know what it is. So, were you like in an actual like classroom with other people, or we was this like an online thing? Zoom. We did it. Zoom. Okay. Yeah, it was, uh, interesting. I'd be eight, very interested eight, to know. It was an eight-day course. Okay. Because. So for me, from a skeptical point of view, for me, how I see that is 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 multiple days. You said right. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you know that over those couple days he wasn't um, subliminally implanting the target um, into you guys? You know, subliminally to where you guys didn't even realize you were learning about it. Um, depending on how good of a um, you know, I'm not sure what his title is, an astral projector or astral projector or psychic, how, whatever his title is. Um, doctor. Doctor. Okay. Um, it, who's to say he wasn't, um, you know, it, subliminally well, sub implanting sub that into your guys' right. brains so but, that by the time the target was revealed. Subliminal, the success rates of, of subliminal um, input versus the results of this are different. Yeah. I mean, you got to look at the statistics. Right. And, so and it's subliminal is not, doesn't have the highest success rate. I mean, despite what people might believe about subliminal messaging and um, things like that, it doesn't have like a very high um, success. Uh, that's why, me. like subliminal only works if it's over and over and over and over again, like with TV commercials. True. But, oh. but, but, but one subliminal message or two subliminal messages isn't going to make that much of an impact on how you think. You'd be surprised, actually. Um, I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, but um, you'd be surprised how much information the, the, the brain can retain. I mean, I guess you're pretty familiar with, with how much information the brain can hold in there. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I have no idea. You know, I didn't take the class. You know, I don't know what you saw mm -hmm. or, you know, what anyone else saw. Just kind of throwing in my... Uh, my my skeptical type of thinking, um, but yeah, I would be really interested to actually take the class and uh, you know try it for myself. I, I might uh, might have to get in contact with him. Have you ever had a near death experience? No, not really. Um, not really. Um, no, no, not not that I can think of. I mean, there was a couple of years ago. Um, I was in the hospital for a couple of days because. Um, you know, I had a face injury. I have a titanium plate in my face here. Um, but it wasn't anything like deathly or, you know, fatal or anything like that. So, no, I've never really had a near-death experience. Um, Would you try it? Would you want to have one? Um, well, the thing, you know, I don't. So here I am again with my skeptical brain. Um, I don't think that near-death experiences are real either. Um, I don't. <clears throat> Those, those have been tested in a lab, you know, by, you know, people dying and, you know, putting a piece of paper on the top of a, 
a cabinet and they claim that they see their body um, above them, but yet they don't see the, the piece of paper that has their name on top of the cabinet. You know, um, from, there's a lot of crazy things that happen when the brain is dying. There's a flush of DMT, among other chemicals that go through your brain as you're dying. Um, so you're going to see some weird stuff. You're going to you're going to freak out a little bit. You're going to trip out, probably. Um, and uh, so I don't I don't think that necessarily near death experiences are, are anything more than your brain and body shutting down. And, and that's more so what happens as you're dying is your brain uh, interprets these types of experiences as being, you know, uh, near death experience or you're above your body or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, I more so just think it's, it's just a product of your brain dying. How about quantum physics? I know like, like, negative a hundred things about quantum physics. <laughs> I mean, it depends. Because, I, mean, what, I mean, according to quantum physics, nothing exists. Matter isn't even real. That everything is just made out of consciousness. When you break matter down to its finest detail, the world is 90% empty and 10% energy. Yeah, I, I honestly have no idea. I don't have much. I don't have much of an input on that. I haven't really gone into the, the quantum physics stuff too much. I'm kind of dabbling in it a little bit now that I'm you know, a little bit more comfortable with some of the metaphysics stuff, but um, haven't really gotten much of anywhere into into quantum physics. It's on my list. <laughs> How about the occult? Have you tried any occult rituals? Um, no. Um, I, you know, I see no reason to believe why any of those rituals would, you know, work or... or you know, do anything beneficial or non-beneficial to me. Once again, I'm an atheist, so I don't think there's anything out there um, that's that's contributing to human civilization or animals, plants, you know, whatever. I, I don't, I see no reason, so why would I do a ritual on it, you know? Uh, that's just my own standpoint, mm -hmm. at least. <clears throat> All right, well... Maybe someday, someday something will happen and it will change your mind on all these things. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Um, like, you know, I will say if I had a near-death experience, you know, if something happened to me, if I was in a car accident, you know, knock on wood, um, and, and I had some sort of near-death experience, um, I still would see no reason to attribute that to being an actual act of spiritual awakening i guess you could say i would just assume i was dying that that's just plain and simple i was dying my brain was shutting down and i saw some things that um you know my brain wanted me to see at the time um but what if something manifested physically out of that experience like what do you mean an example i had an epileptic seizure a couple years ago it lasted a long time, about 30 minutes I was out. And, okay. and I was still conscious and stuff. A week later, after the seizure, I got a book in the mail that I never ordered on time paradoxes. The book, the receipt from the book, was dated six months in the future. So my theory is that during that seizure, I entered a future self, set myself this book back in time, to remind myself that time is not real. So then my question would be, how I, do you prove that? I had the freaking receipt. 
Agreed. But who's to say that, I don't know, one of your buddies didn't, you know, throw it in the mailbox for you. Um, who's to say a neighbor wasn't trying to play a joke on you? Or who's to say a neighbor of yours doesn't listen to your show and, you know, knows where you live? And The you book, know, the book came from book Oxford in. University. Interesting. Um, yeah, for, not, for me. Not, not, not an ordinary place to be getting books from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, it, it's because it, it brings me back to the question is, you know, what makes you... I practice street epistemology. I'm not sure how, how familiar you are with street epistemology, but it's a Socratic method of questioning to get to the basis of what people believe and why they believe it. Mm -hmm. And I use it on a lot of my guests that I've had on my show. Um, so that way things don't... Um, street epistemology is like a lot more of a nicer way to debate, I guess you could say. It's it's not even a debate, really. It's just a conversation. But um, it's... I personally use it a lot on my show and it, it seems to be really helpful to get to the basis of what people believe um so on a scale from zero to 100 percent, how confident are you that you sent yourself that book from the future 100 percent. what makes you think or what makes you believe that it was that your belief is at 100 percent, and what would it take to change your mind you couldn't change my mind and the reason I believe it is because reality does not actually exist. There is no proof that reality is actually here, that, that we're actually real. If you, mm -hmm. you First, you have to prove to me that reality is actually real, which is not. I mean, we know it's not because quantum physics says it's not real. Everything is just a set of probabilities. That's all this is, is a whole bunch of different mm -hmm. probabilities. So, you know, during that seizure, I tapped into a probability, executed it. When I came back to this state of consciousness, I had the result of that probability. Gotcha. So, so essentially... I mean, I mean, everything is just a mathematical equation. Gotcha. Um, I mean, my... until, until somebody can prove to me that reality is real, then anything is possible. Gotcha. So for me, I'm just having a hard time equivalating how, how, how you, you determined that you sent yourself the book I received it in the from, the, from the future. Um, it was dated, had a receipt. I mean, I know that you can't get it's understandable. More, more solid but, than that. You know, who's to say that the receipt printed out the wrong date? Who's to say that, um, you know, uh, you're not part of some mailing list out there. And, or like I said, maybe the mailman is feeling nice and left you a book. You know, um, my thing is there's this, there's this thing called doxastic openness and doxastic closeness. And basically it's in short, how open you are to accepting uh, new evidence coming forward. And from what I understand, um, that you seem pretty doxastically closed to the fact that, um, anything else, could have sent you or anyone else could have sent you that book. Um, and the, the, the thing that I have with doxastic closeness is that at that point you, you, no matter what evidence can come mm -hmm. forward or theories can come forward, there's well, nothing. If, that if somebody came to me and said, Hey, I sent you this book as a joke. Right. Then I would accept that. Right. Right. But that didn't happen. Yeah. Even after posting um, it on Facebook with the picture of the receipt, nobody came forward. Gotcha. So do you think, so, so you said that you, you had an epileptic 
seizure and this is where where you think you could have went to the future mm -hmm. um and done this do you think that anyone else who's had do you think people with epilepsy are just able to do this absolutely i've interviewed others who've had similar experiences okay okay interesting yeah it's uh some interesting stuff i i personally you know i mean what do you think i wasn't what, there you know i'm not you so, so i can't so what really do you think say. reality is I mean, I mean, we, a... we know scientifically that matter does not exist. Mm. I mean, I, it's hard to say, you know, right now I'm not a, not a quantum physics type of guy, like mm -hmm. I said, but, um, I think reality is just real. It's everything that we see or are able to interact with today. It's reality is essentially what's right here in front of us. Um, I don't, you know, quantum physics can say that, you know, a lot of things, you know, whatever, you know, matter isn't real or whatever. But the, the fact of the matter is that, you know, I'm touching my desk, which is made out of mm -hmm. matter. Um, <clears throat> but you can't. Can, but can you prove to me that you actually exist? I personally can't because I don't know the science behind it, but I know people who can prove it. Um, you know, I can I can for a fact, you know, contact a scientist. I know many um, scientists, NASA engineers that I can actually email and they can break it down for me, you know, in scientific terms as to why I exist and why I'm here and what I'm made out of. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just, I, I, yeah, that's just kind of where I'm at myself. But, <laughs> but I, I think that reality is, it's this, you know, this is reality. This is the real thing that's happening. Um, there's no, you don't think it's kind Afterlife. of you don't think it's just kind of freaky that you're here, um, conscious and aware and walking around. Oh before, no! It's, before it definitely before you were born, you didn't exist, right? Yeah. Or yeah, did you exist? Right. Right. It's, like what's it's happening here? It, it is really interesting. Consciousness in general is like is extremely interesting. Um, you know, once again, we have absolutely no idea how we're even conscious right now, um, but. We're, we're trying to find ways to explain it. And rather than saying, um, you know, we're it's yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. Is that, that <laughs> this is reality. This is where we come from. And, um, there's still a ton that we need to learn about the brain, but I just don't jump to conclusions. I, mm -hmm. I would never, um, you know, if, if, for example, I had a, an epileptic seizure and I had a book that shown up in my, in my mailbox, I would see no reason to to connect my epileptic seizure to to a book showing up in my mail. That's that's um, you know I don't blame you. You know that it it sounds really interesting. I can't deny that you had that experience, but um, I personally wouldn't be able to equate those those two instances together, at least for myself. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't know. You know, I've never had an epileptic seizure, so I don't even know what that's like. You know. We have to either kill you or give you some drugs. <laughs> That's fair. I think you're the first guy to ever say that to me, but thank you, I guess. <laughs> That's funny. Gotta get, um, gotta get you out of that body, man, somehow. No, dude, I totally agree. You know, if someone wants to someone wants to send me some mushrooms or DMT, but you know, but <laughs> I would totally try it and uh that's my goal is I want to do it and then I want to make a podcast 
explaining my experience, you know, um, or just talking to my wife about my experience and get hurt. Cause my wife is the most skeptical person I've ever met in my entire life. Like I, it, she's more skeptical than I am. She doesn't even want to talk about religion with me because she's, uh, she, she's kind of closed off to mm-hmm. all of the evidence for it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a, uh, it's a really interesting thing, but, uh, yeah, I agree. Wow. Um, so before we wrap this up, yeah, where is the best place for my listeners to find you and find your podcast? For sure. Um, <clears throat> well, you can find me. I primarily post everything that I do on Instagram. Um, it's at unquestionable podcast on Instagram. And um, my most recent episode with Johanna James, YouTuber, ancient lost civilization researcher and comedian. That episode came out yesterday and it is bumping. Um, people are really enjoying the episode and the interview that I had with her, especially since I have a new setup. But you can find me on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, uh, Discord, YouTube, Unquestionable Podcast on YouTube. I'm on Snapchat, uh, literally any social media platform. You can just type in Unquestionable Calvin. Boom, I'm there. Or you can just go on Google and type in Unquestionable Calvin Smith, and I'm the whole first, like, three pages. Hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, you can find me pretty much anywhere. Well, I'll post some links um, in the notes of this episode so my listeners can check out your podcast. For sure. And uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Absolutely. I had a great time. This was a a, a very interesting podcast. I've been on a ton of podcasts, and this was a new one for me. This is something, something that I haven't really talked about yet on a podcast, so... Very interesting conversation. So thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Awesome. That I was able to do something different. Yeah, I enjoy it. And uh, just hang on for one second, and I'm going to play the outro. Gotcha. Link at the top of this page, www.